When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus the dream is made real ricky howard rocks the world how do you like it how do you like it i wish i was 50 years younger and i'd kick your ass it's over What's going on, fight fans? It's another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. It's the big fight preview. This weekend, we've got Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz 2. We've also got Callum Smith versus John Ryder and a host of other great fights going on over the weekend. But of course, before we get into this, we need to let you know where to find us on social media, on Twitter, at BTR Boxing Pod, and on Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not already subscribed to us, you can do so by checking us out on Apple Podcasts or Podcast being Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM or even Spotify. On the line as always is Johnston Brown to break down another big weekend for boxing. Starting off with the biggest fight of the weekend for me, Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. Yeah, yeah, another a good fight. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy watching the heavyweights. Um, I'm watching, obviously, Wilder. Um, you know, whatever I think of him outside the ring, um, he, he, I do enjoy watching him inside it. Um, and Luis Ortiz is obviously coming to try and um, seek redemption I suppose for that first loss um, 40 years old if he is 40 um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not too sure that will be the case but you know we'll, we'll go into that but yeah and then obviously Callum Smith and Ryder another good fight but I mean one thing I will say is the fight of the weekend for me is Louis, uh, Louis Neary against um, Emmanuel Rodriguez I just wanted to fill that in because I was I, I literally just see that today and I'm really looking forward to that it's on the undercard so we'll go into that a little bit later on, but of course we're going to start with the the, the biggest marquee fight of the weekend, I'd probably say is the right term to put yeah. this one in, because it is, it's the heavyweight championship of the world, the WBC title is on the line as Deontay Wilder defends against Luis Ortiz. These two previously met, as you remember, in what was a thriller, it was in 2018, it's, wow, bloody hell, it's... 
like nearly pushing on two years since that fight happened. You wouldn't have thought that, but it feels like yesterday. And now we, we've got these two back in the ring together again and, and what's going to be a great fight. So I think we we need to sort of look at what they've both been doing in the time that we've not seen this uh, immediate rematch because I think a lot of people wanted to see an immediate rematch between these two. And instead, we got another fantastic fight with Tyson Fury instead. But the Luis Ortiz fight, the first fight, was absolutely fantastic. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And obviously, we got to see Wilder really hurting that fight uh, and, and was on the verge near it. But Luis Ortiz nearly stopped him in that fight. Let's not forget how close Wilder was to taking a loss on that particular night. Luis Ortiz, the bogeyman of the heavyweight division, or so people say, was nearly the guy that ended that unbeaten streak for Deontay Wilder in that first fight. I really thoroughly enjoyed it but since then, for Wilder obviously we've had the bout with Tyson Fury and then a stunning knockout earlier this year against Dominic Brazil and now we've got this fight before heading into a rematch in February with Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's, 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 not, a, it's not a layup I wouldn't say. Um, I, I think for me all two proved himself to be a bit of a force in that first fight. I thought he performed really well. I had him up on the cards for me before the stoppage. Um, and he did really sh- shook him up in the seventh, didn't he? I mean, it looked like he was going to get rid of Wilder. Um, luckily, the bell saved him. He managed to regroup in the eighth. And then um, he established to get got himself back into the fight, basically, by landing a good few shots, which sort of got Ortiz's attention. And I think Ortiz blew a gas tank, to be fair. He started to get tired. And then, you know, that shot eventually... In the tenth, that put him down. Um, I think he got. Did he get put down a couple of times? I think in that final round, I believe. Um, and yeah, so it was a good performance from all teams. Just look, you know, let's, let's get it right. And he was, you know, thirty-eight apparently back then. He's now forty. Um, I, I'm guessing he's not going to be the same fighter. But you know, since then he had a couple. Of, you know, he had the Kajano uh, uh, win. Kajano um, win. Sorry, he's had Travis. Uh, Kufman and he's had Christian Hamer victory. So, I mean, two, three decent victories against guys that were never really going to cause him any trouble. They fought at his pace. He was quite comfortable. Low-key fights. Um, and obviously Wilder, on the other hand, has uh, got the draw of, with Fury. Um, we all think, I'm sure, I know you do, Sean, <laughs> Wilder lost that fight. He Definitely. got the draw. And, um, and obviously Dominic Brazil was, was an emphatic victory again. So, you know, Fury in the horizon in February. I think we're expecting, most people are expecting Wilder to come through it. But it could be tricky, you know. Who knows? Maybe this is, you know, Ortiz doesn't look in bad shape, to be fair. Um, So maybe he's, he's, it's just a matter of what happens in those early exchanges and then going into the second half of the fight if he gets that far. But it's an interesting fight. It's intriguing. That's what I will say. Um, But I expect Wilder to come up with a good it's a, it is an intriguing fight because obviously Luis Ortiz is probably the closest to to defeating Deontay Wilder. Let's be honest. Although we can sit here and argue about the Fury decision and about the fact that I personally believe that Fury won that fight, but he got the draw. He managed to get that draw with with, with obviously the knockdowns in the fight. Of course, that's what that's what got the draw from, in my opinion. But yeah. you know, this was the closest he got to being defeated. Really, I think you know you you, you probably look a few a few early fights in his career where he, he was really, really, no, par- no pardon the pun, wild. He was very wild earlier on in his career. <laughs> you see some of the footage floating around of him fighting some, some what can only be described as a big fat tub of lard that, that does the rounds on social media, you know, in some really random casino or club or something from about seven years ago. And he's just completely different fighting now. He can box as well as punch. Obviously, people 
you know, look at him as swinging and windmilling. It's only when he's got people in trouble he does that. That's when he does it. Or, you know, when he's been hurt, that's when he does that. Most of the time, he boxes. And he boxes well. And people underestimate he's actually got this boxing ability. And I know his trainer talks about that a lot. And they talk about the fact that people underestimate his boxing ability. They just think of him as they know what he's going to do when he either gets hurt or he's got someone hurt. Is He's going to throw swinging, unorthodox shots. Because they are the ones that usually end up creating the highlight real knockouts for us to see. So, for me, Wilder uh, has had some good fights under his belt now he's had some good tests under his belt now and this is what he's needed and this is what people have wanted to see and now we're getting a 40 year old Luis Ortiz who does look in really really good shape of course and people suggesting that he might be on some type of performance enhancing drugs there's people suggesting that he's nearly 50 years old there's there's all sorts of accusations already going around social media but the intrigue is still there to see whether a 40 year old version of Luis Ortiz can actually go in there and cause the same issues that he caused nearly two years ago. And and that's what we're all waiting for. That's what we all want to see. But as you rightly pointed out, I think people are expecting Wilder to come through this and get another victory and, and lead us in nicely into February next year for Tyson Fury. But are we writing Luis Ortiz off here? I mean, are we just expecting the Wilder win? Are we not giving Ortiz an opportunity to, to actually show himself? Because like I said, he's the closest guy to getting close to beating him. Yeah, um, I mean, it depends really. I mean, it, if if Wilder can force the pace at his pace, at a high pace, um, I think Ortiz may struggle. I think the early exchanges are going to be be vital for Ortiz because if he's, if he's played at his pace, which pretty much it was in the first fight, I felt that he was in, in, in control really. He was causing Wilder problems and actually... What he was doing really well was he was making those flaws in Wilder's technique pretty evident in, in the way he fought with that southpaw stance. And he's a clever fighter. He's a tricky fighter. He's a good counter-puncher. He's got a decent jab. But as I say, it's always about whether, you know, if you up the pace with him, I think that's where he sort of loses his marbles a little bit and starts to, to panic. Um, and I think we see that when he was put down early in the fight before he got Wilder in trouble in the first fight. Um, so... Although Ortiz does look in good condition, I suppose the first thing people will say is the fact that he's probably on drugs. He's lot he's fouled to already, so you know that's understandable. Um, so you know, away from that, I think forty years old. I, th- I think he missed his opportunity. I think he may cause Wilder a, a problem or two in a couple of rounds, um, but I'm expecting Wilder to eventually get to him and um, actually get rid of him a bit sooner than he did in the first fight. So, uh, you know, although Ortiz can be tricky, uh, you know, the southpaw stance can be, you know, it, it's hard for you to sort of get your foot in front and throw that right hand over the top and, and connect properly. And, and I think with, with with Wilder, with those long levers he's got, I don't think he's going to have much problem. I think he's going to have the speed as well. So I'm expecting it to be a bit cagey at first, maybe, but... Um, I wouldn't be surprised as soon as that Wilder does see an opening, he's going to go for the kill, and I'm expecting that to be the finish. So I'm, I'm sort of thinking around sort of fifth round, five or six, basically. I'm thinking Wilder to win the fight. It's interesting because I've actually been thinking along a similar line that I remember when he fought Stavern and went 12 rounds with Stavern. And then in the, the, the rematch with Stavern, again, about a similar sort of time frame as the difference between this and the rematch between uh, RTs and Wilder 2. He absolutely decimated him. He absolutely left him in, in a heap on the floor 
And I was absolutely shocked because nobody expected it to end that way, that quickly. Because Stavern had taken him the distance in that first fight, people thought, well, he's a durable fighter. He's a fighter that's probably going to take him the distance again, probably going to give him some problems, etc. And he didn't. <laughs> and he didn't. He got blown away, literally blown away by Wilder. And for me, this this is this is potentially how this could go. I'm not writing Luis Ortiz's chance off on off. And I think... I think you're right in what you're saying. There is a danger there to Deontay Wilder, and the danger is always there with him because of, of, of the way he fights. But of course, when you've got two two hands that have got bombs in both of them, for me, it doesn't matter. You can you can get caught, you can get up, and you can land one punch, and that's it. The fight's over. His power is, is, is scary power. It's absolutely scary. He's got one of the best knockout ratios in boxing and, and potentially in boxing history. I, I don't know the full facts. I could be a little bit off, but I do believe it's, it's definitely up there as one of the best knockout ratios in boxing history, and, and especially for the heavyweight division, of course, as well. And you think about all the biggest punches and the hardest punches in heavyweight boxing history, you know, the Ernie Shavers, and obviously, even, even obviously, you know, we've got Wilder, we've got Shavers, we've got people even talked about Ali being a hard puncher, and then you've got guys like Foreman, who they spoke about as well, so Deontay Wilder's right there, if not at the top of the pile as, as, as the hardest puncher. But going into this fight, I can honestly see this ending sooner than what it did the last time round. I can see this being a case of getting them first couple of rounds out of the way. And probably between rounds four and six, I'm expecting it to sort of explode. And I'm expecting Wilder to actually knock Ortiz out. I'm expecting it. Whether it'll happen is another thing because we have seen <laughs> upsets and we have seen the fights go a different way in the past month or so, but this could be the way this goes, and I think a lot of people are expecting it to go this way. I personally, putting a prediction on it, I think Wilder stops Ortiz between rounds four and six, and we get a great post-fight interview, calling Tyson Fury out ready for the February rematch, and we're all getting excited, and I think for Louis Ortiz, I don't know whether that'll be the end, or whether he'll, he'll come back again one more time, I don't know, but I just don't think, for me personally... He's had a great apprenticeship after his first loss. I don't think he's had uh, the, the, the right level of fights that he's needed to go into the second fight. I think the fighters that he's been involved with, you know, Kajanu, Kaufman, and then you've also had the Christian Hammer fight. These are not the types of fights he needs to go in against Wilder. They, you know, he's way past that point now. Way past that point. He should have He should have fought at least another danger man of the division. He should have done before going in this fight. But... Again, if he's been paid enough money for it, then of course you know they're going to take it and they're going to going to seize the opportunity. And obviously they had him they had him on the ropes in the last fight, so they see that as a potential again. But prediction: Wilder between four and six for me. Yeah, I'm completely on the same lines as you, Sean. Again, with Ortiz, I think it was his chance. I think he missed his opportunity, and as you say, he hasn't really progressed in the right way. I mean, there was talk obviously in between these these two fights of someone like a Dillian White before he had his problems, that would have been interesting to see how those two, if that had happened, how that would have gone. I think that would have been a better fight for Ortiz to have going into this rematch. And I do believe that, I just think age will play a factor. Unless, you know, he, you know, he's got a chance. You know, he's a big hitter as well. And, and we've seen Wilder get rocked. So, you now if he lands one, who knows? Maybe if he finds Wilder in trouble early, then maybe he won't just throw... 
sort of wasted shots, which is what he did uh, when he did try to take him out. I think he got himself a bit excited. Um, maybe be a bit more patient and find the right shots and get rid of him. Um, it's possible, but it's a long shot. And um, I'm, I, I, I can literally see, I can't see it going past six. So I think any time from, from one to six, it could be over in sort of the first round, like we see with Dominic Brazil. Um, but I think, I, I believe Wilder will come through the fight. And, and I'll be looking forward to when he has the rematch with Tyson Fury in February 2020, which would be a great start to that year. So before we go in to the other big fight happening in the UK this weekend between Smith and Ryder, we're going to touch a little bit on the undercard of Wilder versus Ortiz, of course, because you mentioned it at the top of the show, uh, and a fantastic fight in the bantamweight division that I think has completely eluded me, which is Luis Neri versus Emmanuel Rodriguez. Luis Neri 30-0 against Emmanuel Rodriguez 19-1. Brilliant fight, this. Brilliant fight in the bantamweight division, and a fight that's completely escaped me, to be honest with you. Thinking about everything that's on, there's so many decent cards on this weekend with potential, you know, fight of the year contenders there that you forget about these fights. So, Luis Neri versus Emmanuel Rodriguez, a brilliant fight for boxing, and I'm really looking forward to actually checking this one out. For people that remember... Rodriguez, he was the guy that Neo Inui beat earlier on this year and stopped him emphatically. And then he was also the guy that beat Paul Butler in 2018 and Jason Maloney also in 2018. So Emmanuel Rodriguez is obviously, you know, former world champion, great fighter, but he's going in against a guy who I think is underrated as... The, one of the best bantamweights out there, alongside, obviously, Neo Inoue winning the World Boxing Super Series, of course. Luis Neri, for me, is is probably the other bantamweight out there. I think that's the guy I'd want to see him with Inoue next. Absolutely, I would. I, I, you know, Neri and Inoue is, is definitely a fight that, that can be made, uh, all being if he can get past uh, Rodriguez. And, you know, you mentioned the Inoue fight. I, I, I felt that, Emmanuel Rodriguez would have taken Inoue a little bit further than he did. If not, I thought he would have done just basically what Denier had done and taken the distance. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Inoue showed just how great he was that night and in Glasgow, and he was he was superb. And and Rodriguez, you know, it's it's a tough fight to come back. He's just fought Inoue, got done in two rounds, and it's not a layup rematch for him going up against Neri. So he obviously wants to try and prove people wrong and, and have another shot at, at one of the big guys in the division. You know, he was tactically to go on to great things and um, it, obviously just the one defeat, it doesn't mean anything against someone like Anoue. So I'm, I'm really, really interested in how this fight's going to go. Um, Neary as well, obviously he's had his problems. He's had uh, another one, he's had a uh, drug fouled, uh, I think he fouled another, I think it was a PED, I can't quite remember. I remember it being in Japan. And, uh, and I, if I if I remember rightly, he was uh, it looked like he was going to get stripped, and then he didn't. Um, I'm actually thinking it was contam- contaminated meat again. Uh, <laughs> one of those stupid. Uh, it's just daft, isn't it? But you know, he's actually um, banned indefinitely from Japan as well after that um, fighting the Japanese fellow a couple of times, and uh, so he won't be able to fight Japan. I'm sure that he's not going to be too bothered about that. But this is a great fight. This really is, and you know, it's, it's Mexico against Puerto Rico as well, which always brings the best out of these guys when they're, you know, with that, that um, rivalry between those two nations. And I think this could be a really, really good fight. I'm expecting some some great, I mean, Neary being a southpaw, I'll give him the edge. Um, and he is a fantastic fight. I hope, in a way, I hope Neary comes through because I'd like to see Neary 
against the new ape, but a really, really excellent fight. And, and I can't really call it. I really think Emmanuel Rodriguez has got the ability to win this fight. Um, I'm going to go Neary, but a great, great fight again. And, and, and I, to, for me, I think it will still steal the card as a whole for me. So let's look at what else is on the card as well. We've got Leo Santa Cruz also on there defending the WBA super featherweight title against Miguel Flores, 24-2. and two. Obviously, we're waiting for a big fight for Santa Cruz, aren't we? I think that's that's what people are getting a little bit frustrated about now. And I've said this a few times in the past six months where, you know, we want to see him in with the best super featherweights in the world you know this is what we want to see we, we don't want to we don't want to see all these sort of matches against guys that have been in with world champions and been beaten by world champions we want to see him in against these elite level fighters and at the moment i've not really seen him in an elite level fight since Frampton, to be honest and that, that's just my opinion i mean you know he beat adam Mares in in 2018 but the two Frampton fights for me were, were his defining defining nights really you know the, the, they're the legacy that he's left so far in the division, but you now you really want to see him at the top of the the, the the mountain, really fighting the best guys. You want to see like the likes of Gary Russell Jr. You want to see the likes of Oscar Valdez, and then you want to see the likes of Josh Warrington. Even you know these are the fights you want to see, and obviously his opponent Miguel Flores, twenty four and two, he's lost to people that is that you know he's. Is, Santa Cruz has beat. So Chris Avalos, for example, he lost Chris Avalos two years ago, and yet he's going in against Santa Cruz. I just, I just think that I think he's frustration more than anything for me personally. I want to see him fight the best, and at the moment, he's not really fighting the best. And I want to see that now. I think he's at that stage of his career, at the age of 31, where we want to see him fight the best. I expect a win for him here. I expect a, a, a points victory for him, but I want to see him call somebody out after the fight. I want to see him say, right, I want to fight Gary Russell Jr. or, or I want the, the third Frampton fight or I want Josh Warrington or Valdez. That's what I want to see him do and I don't want to see them just spoon-feeding him opponents that we probably know he's going to go and beat. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the killer is, I think this is this is super feather fight as well, so I'm not quite sure what exactly Santa Cruz is looking to do. Is he going to stick, is he going to drop back down to sort of um, featherweight after this or is he going to stay at super featherweight? Um, I, I don't know what he's doing at the minute. He seems to just, um, I don't know, it's a weird one. I think he, he didn't he vacate his title as well. Right? That that was what I heard. I don't know if it's 100. I mean, this is for the WBA Super World title of the Super Featherweight division. So, I mean, I, I don't know how, how high we regard that title. Probably not much. So, it's just, you know, for me, at 31 years old, Santa Cruz needs to be fighting the big marquee fights and, you know, fight at Featherweight and just, you know, fight the uh, Oscar Valdez or you know, your Russell Juniors or you know, there's massive fights out there in that featherweight division, which I know he can make that weight quite easily. He's a tall guy, but, you know, he's, he's quite slim. Um, I'd love to have the fights. I'd love to see. Uh, but if he does stay in the super featherweight division, then obviously fine. You know, there's some big names in there for him as well. Um, so it, I don't know. It, I, I expect him to come through this. I mean, maybe he's thinking of super featherweight to, to fight Miguel Bertra, which is another fantastic mm. fight for me. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, for Mexico um, so we'll see what happens but um, yeah I think it's a bit of a, an easy one for Santa Cruz and I, no disrespect to his opponent but as you say he's a guy that's the, the top elite fighters and, he, and he's, he's falling short and I'm expecting the same but you know again I'm glad to see Santa Cruz on the card and I'm looking forward to watching him on sort of Sunday, early hours of Sunday morning 
So, there's a couple of other fighters on the card that I'd say notable to mention. More so for the UK-based fans. U- US fans, all, I'm sure, will be aware of these fighters. Brandon Figueroa, 20-0, super bantamweight fighting. Julio Cesar, WBA, world super bantamweight title on the line. Uh, then you've got Ledun Barthelme against Eduardo Ramirez. You've got Victor Slavinsky, 10-0, versus Rigoberto Hemsemilio. And then you've also got Arnold El Gerando versus... I can't even pronounce it. I'm get, I'm get, I was on a roll then. I was on a roll. You got Hon Gamino as Don't well. Don't ask me to help. <laughs> no, I'm not even. Not a chance. You're, you're worse than me, aren't you? Uh, we've, so yeah, we've, <laughs> we've got some. Um, we've got some good prospects on the card. So if you are tuning into it on the early hours of Sunday morning from from a UK perspective, you know it's probably worth checking some of these guys out because I'm sure we'll get to hear the names over the course of the next 12, 18 months. So that wraps this particular card up, and we're going to talk about the big fight preview for Smith versus. Callum Smith finally back in action. We've not seen him in the ring since that great knockout earlier on on the undercard of Anthony Joshua uh, versus Ruiz earlier on this year in June. And now we're getting to see him back against John Ryder, who has really, really grinded his way to an opportunity here. He's worked his way up to become the mandatory for the super title that is held by Callum Smith. And I think... Callum Smith's got this big dream of fighting at Anfield in Liverpool at the football stadium and he wants to fight and he wants to defend it and he wants to fight Canelo. That's the name that's been thrown around a lot recently. But from what I hear, they're struggling to even sell out this particular venue, which is quite concerning, to be honest. If they can't sell out the uh, the Echo Arena in Liverpool, how are they going to sell out Anfield? And what does it boil down to? And I think for me, I think it's... The lack, that, the lack of, you know, bigger names or the fact that he's not really hard. I know he's beat George Groves. I know he emphatically beat George Groves before anyone starts to jump on me back like that. But this was a George Groves who recovered from a horrible shoulder injury. And he was a shop-worn George Groves. He was a, a George Groves that had been in some absolute wars over the years. So that is his best win on his record. And it was an emphatic win. But who else has he beaten out there that we can honestly say is put him in prime position to fight a Canelo Alvarez when you compare the resumes. He hasn't. And the character of him is he's quite a humble, shyly spoken guy. He's not a character as such. And I think that's what he's lacking. And that is what the issue is with him, is that the fact that he's hard to market as, as a person because he's just not a controversial guy. He's just a normal down-to-earth guy who just gets on with it. And you say the same about a few other different fighters in the UK. Terry Flanagan always so springs to mind. You know, he's he's quite monotoned when he speaks. And people just get a little bit sort of turned off by that. They want a character. They want someone to do something or say something controversial. And Callum Smith doesn't do that. 
And now John Ryder is has been knocking out guys for the fun of it. He's been knocking out guys he wasn't expected to even go in there and beat, who he was supposedly hand-fed to to be beaten. And yet, look where he is now. He's done tremendously well. He really has. And, you know, the Jamie Cox defeat was the start of it for me when he'd done him in two rounds. Um, that was a great victory for Jim. And then, obviously, he went on to, to beat um, uh, Sirotkin. Oh, <laughs> with these names but um, the European title fight and, and I thought he'd done really well um, or was that was that a European title maybe it was and maybe it was the one after that um, but yeah he done it was, you know for me from that point he, he forced his way into a position now where he, he's, he's now fighting for a world title against Callum, Johnson, uh, Callum Smith sorry. so you know fantastic opportunity for John Ryder um, maybe a little bit too I, I believe I, I can't see there being an upset on the card I, I honestly think Callum Smith will come through um, I, I just think he's so big Callum isn't he he's huge for the weight and I'm, I'm surprised that he's never meant I mean he obviously wouldn't but I always wonder if he does struggle to make this weight and whether it's worth even if he's even thinking about moving up but hopefully he isn't and hopefully he's, um, he's able to make the weight quite comfortably because uh, you know I'm expecting to beat Ryder if, he, if he's looking at Canelo Someone like John Ryder, he needs to be getting rid of him in emphatic fashion. Um, it needs to be a, an impressive performance to start getting them bums and seats. And I think um, that, you know, it's a bit of a... You now, after the Groves fight, it's, well, he had this long gap, didn't he, where, he, you know, he didn't fight. So he fought in September, he didn't fight until June this year. And, you know, it's those gaps in between that, that are causing problems. And I think he needs to be more active. If he wants more fans, you're not going to sell him as a personality. You need to sell him with what he does in the ring. And, and you know, hopefully after this John Ryder fight, I, I don't think Canelo... I believe Canelo's probably going to go somewhere else. I don't think he's going to be that interesting fighting Callum Smith. Um, so I'm expecting Smith to come through this fight against Ryder. Hopefully he's not looking ahead, because if he does, Ryder could cause him trouble. I don't think he will. But um, if he takes his eye off the ball, then Ryder could get a surprise victory. Um, but I'm hoping Smith can get through this and then... Maybe, I mean, I'm looking at, I think Billy Joe Saunders would be a great fight for him. Um, why not? It's to unify the division as well, two titles. Um, sorry, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I can see why it's not taken, you know, I mean, even though it is in Liverpool, I can see why they've struggled a little bit because it's not a great, great card. Um, you know, obviously you've got Fowler on there and you've got Dodd, but I think Dodd's on there just to get a few bums on seats. So, um it's a bit of a shame really because in you know Liverpool they, they really do support their lads so we'll see what happens I mean I'm expecting Smith to come through comfortably and hopefully he does it well and in convincing style I think you're right in terms of who he should fight next if he beats Ryder. It's Billy Joe Son is the perfect fight. I think they're both struggling at the moment to sort of capture mm-hmm. this, this this sort of fan base, aren't they? Obviously, Billy Joe Son has had his fight yep. a couple of weeks ago on the undercard of the uh, the circus that was KSI and Logan Paul, and then he gets a, he struggled all the way through that fight and then got a knockout at the end. Uh, it was a great knockout, but he looked crap throughout the fight, and he had said that himself. So I think if Callum Smith goes in there, emphatically beats John Ryder, which I do believe he will, based on everything that you've already said about the size, you know, the fact that he's a lot bigger than John Ryder. I think he's he's gonna he's, he's gonna tell massively on the night, and I think ultimately I do expect a Callum Smith victory by KO in this particular fight. But what I'm talking about now is is about what's next for him. I know we maybe shouldn't be overlooking this fight at all, and maybe John Ryder will come and 
put words into my mouth, you know, and, and shove it right down yeah. my throat come Saturday night if he goes in there and stops Callum Smith. But I just think he's too big, he's too skilled, and I lo- I'd love to see him in a massive, huge fight, like a Billy Joe Saunders fight, to step him up ready for that level of Canelo, because I honestly think he would cause Canelo problem after problem after problem and I know Canelo is his adaptability is fantastic and that's a completely different style of fight but for me he's the guy that could be the complete ruler of the super middleweight division and then move up to light heavyweight and get involved in some cracking fights at the light heavyweight division as well but he's got to overcome a guy who's really grinded his way to this level and John Ryder's going to be hungrier than ever this is a Huge! This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. Let's be honest. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for John Ryder to go and make his mark on boxing by beating Callum Smith. And he's certainly going to go in there, and he will certainly be game. But it's whether he can close the distance and find the range, or whether Callum Smith's long levers and his ability to to move around the ring uh, and the shot selection that he's got is probably going to be the ultimate factor on the night for me. But. I'm really excited about the prospects of, of the fights for the future. I just, like I said earlier, my issue is, is the character side of things. It's the way they need to build him up more. Joe Gallagher speaks so highly of him, and, and Joe Gallagher knows what he's capable of. But it's the character side of him. It's the, the lack of promotion on him as well. He's not really being promoted very well. And that's my other issue as well. He needs to be put out there. He's, he's a huge super middleweight. He should be putting him out there as the ruler of the super middleweight division. They should be putting that claim to fame there. Even though he's not beating everybody in the super middleweight division yet, they should be saying, look, we're the best in this division. And they should be putting it out there more often than not. Because if they don't, they're just going to go into the shadows while other super middleweights come to the forefront and start speaking about it. I mean, let's be honest, Cal Froch, super middleweight, one of the greatest super middleweights we've ever had and produced, he's still talking about beating people like Golovkin even as, as, as soon as last week, do you know? And that's that's just the guy he is. Like him or love him, do you know what I mean? But this is not what... We're not getting anything from the Smith camp about this. We're not getting the promotion side of it. And, it, and I know I'm on a rant about it, but it does frustrate me because I do believe he could be a two-weight world champion. I do genuinely believe that. I just don't think he's being promoted to the best of what he could be uh, and also being put into fights which are really going to put him on that level where people are going to say, whoa, hang on a minute. Callum Smith is the best super middleweight in the world and he could potentially be the best light heavyweight in the world. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I know you've gone on a rant, but I, I, you know, rightly so to be fair, because it's frustrating because Callum Smith is a, is an excellent talent, and and you want it to be nurtured better, um, and you want him to be in big fights because this is the stage he's at now. He is a world champion. He come through the Muhammad Ali tournament and the World Boxing Super Series by beating George Groves in, in fact fashion, albeit George was, you know, he was the wear and tear was clearly showing, and the shoulder had gone. Um, so, you know, it was a good victory, the biggest victory on his on his resume. And now, you know, you look at it, you actually look at the super middleweight division, and it is pretty much, you know, even world rankings, these are the top five of British fighters. You know, you've got, obviously, David Benavides and Caleb Plant, uh, guys like that. But, you know, John Ryder is up there. And Billy Joe and Chris Eubank Jr. is another one. I mean, that would be another fight. If anything, you know, if you don't get the Canelo fight, Having someone like a Eubank Jr. or a Billy Joe Saunders at super middleweight, they're big fights and they could happen next year. And there's no reason why they can't. I know Eubank is a bit of a, you know, he's an hard work. He's hard work with him and his dad and trying to arrange fights. But, um, you know, whether he'd even want to entertain Callum Smith. But Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith makes perfect sense next year. And I think it's a fight that should happen. And 
And whoever comes through that will be in a great position to fight Canelo. And I think Canelo, you know, they almost force his hand, if, especially if he's going to stay at super middleweight and we'll see what Canelo does. And, then, and Smith has the ability. I don't want it to be a wasted, just, just a wasted career because it's almost like how it's going. I want him to be active. He needs at least three fights next year. He needs to come for this rider fight. And then he could go on to be a big star, which is what I believe he's capable of doing. I agree. So let's move on. Look at the rest of the card. You said earlier it wasn't the greatest of cards in the world and probably makes sense as to why there's rumours going around that it's only sold half the tickets it should have sold in this particular one. But for me, looking at the card, you've got some good names on there. And I believe that you know they, they need to build more on the, the, the prospects of Liverpool. If it, to be honest with you, if Callum Smith and John Ryder wasn't on this card, this would probably be like a next gen show, to be honest, because yeah. it's made it's made up of a few of a few prospects versus well known names. So the fights we've got on the card is James Tennyson versus Craig Evans, which I do believe is a decent fight. We've got James Tennyson, obviously stunning knockout in his last fight, and Craig Evans, the Welsh warrior, he's also been involved in some great fights, and I do see that being you know a pretty early night. But then we've got Craig Glover versus Chris Billum Smith, and I think. I enjoyed Chris Billum Smith's fight against React Poor. And then we've got Craig Glover, who obviously we've seen has had a bit of a mixed bag of tricks over the past year or two with his career. So that's probably a decent fight for the vacant Commonwealth title. Harry Scar versus Anthony Fowler, Super World to 8 division. Again, decent fight. Yeah, probably say so. It could be. Harry Scarf beat Jack Flatley earlier on this year. Then you've got Anthony Fowler, obviously, looking to get himself back into the mix to fight Scott Fitzgerald. So... Obviously, that's that fight going on. And then Tom Farrell and Sean Dodd, that is obviously a Liverpool fight. And like you said, they've got Sean Dodd on there. And Sean Dodd, I would think, maybe does more numbers for tickets than what Tom Farrell does, if I'm being honest. And I think I think this is why they've got this fight on the car, because it's a battle of Liverpool. It's two guys that are known quite well in Liverpool that have got a decent fan base that's probably sold the majority you know, uh, of the smaller side of the tickets that have been allocated. And then you've got three prospects on the card. Thomas Whitaker, Tom Aitchison and Marcus Malloy all making up the rest of that card, which will probably be on the Facebook stream at 6 o'clock in the evening UK time. So, quite honestly, apart from the Callum Smith fight, it, it, it is pretty much... A next gen show. It isn't anything more than that. If Callum Smith wasn't on it, I'd probably they'd probably struggle to even get it in the echo. To be honest with you, that that's just me being brutal, but it's true. So that's the other card going on this weekend with the big fight preview. But I'm not forgetting about what's happening on Friday night as well, Johnston. We've got the Golden Contract Tournament at the York Hall and the Super Lightweights. We've got. O'Hara Davis and Tyrone McKenna, Louis Benson, Kieran Gethin, Mikey Saki on there. What a great concept again. And we've talked about this before and how good of a concept it is. I'm really looking forward to this on Friday. Yeah, I am as well. I mean, O'Hara Davis, uh, he, had a, didn't he? he had a bit of beef, didn't he? Was that the old uh, the, the video leak with um, Coos and Cassius? <laughs> was it between O'Hara Davis? It was, wasn't it? Was it uh, Tyrone McKenna. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean O'Hara Davis. Uh, he's he's a funny one. He's come out of some silly things in his in his time. But I do enjoy watching O'Hara fight. Apart from he had one stinker, uh, which was just an awful fight. But other than that, he is quite entertaining to watch um, outside the ring as well as inside it. But the concept of it is great, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, you know we 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 were speaking highly of it sort of the other week, weren't we? And and, and I love the way that um, this is being put together um, because you've got guys that are sort of, 
you know, they haven't got bad records and they're all aspiring to, to get to that position where they can get themselves in line with, you know, not necessarily world title shots, but just that those big fights that's going to earn them some money. And, and again, you know, this is just, yeah, it, it's a great idea. I mean, uh, and obviously uh, you've got Logan Yoon, O'Hara Davis, you've got uh, Mohamed um, Mimanu um, and Darren Surtees, Kieran Geithin and Lewis Benson and Mikey Saki and Tyrone McKenna. They're the ones that um, are the line-up for the quarterfinal. So they're all pretty even. Um, I'm expecting, uh, you, look, you look at their records, I'm expecting McKenna to come through, I'm expecting Davis to come through, I'm expecting Darren Surtees to come through. Um, and then the, the Geithin and uh, Lewis Benson, I don't know too much about either of the guys, um, but it'd be that would probably be quite a close contest. I'm guessing. I don't. You know, I'm not, as I say, I'm not 100% sure how it's going to go. And saying that, I mean Logan Yoon, 16 and 0 against David O'Hara Davis. If O'Hara Davis comes in and has another stinker, then he could get beat. So it's interesting. They're pretty even, and you know, and I just love the concept of it of uh, the semi-finals happening sort of in a few weeks or a month, a couple of months later, and then obviously we get the finals. Um, which I'm really looking forward to, and I just think it's it's great concept. And I, I, again, you know, they need to do more of this. I think it's great for these guys to earn some money and get some publicity. Well, I think the dark horse of this particular tournament, the super lightweight tournament for me, is probably going to be Mohamed Mimoume, because Mohamed Mimoume is the gentleman that dethroned Sam Eggington uh, when he was fighting for the European title two years ago uh, via a split decision. Mimoume completely negated what Eggington had, and up to this point, Eggington was was obviously involved in fight of the year with Frankie Gavin. He was looking like he was on a complete roll, and then he got stopped in his tracks by Mohamed Mimoume. And since then, Mohamed Mimoume has gone on to have two victories, but then lost to Victor Postol earlier on this year via unanimous decision. So he has mixed it at a higher level than anyone else in this tournament for me. I mean, you could say O'Hara Davis has probably mixed it at maybe the highest level because of what Josh Taylor's gone on to now do, beating Regis Pagrive, becoming obviously unified champion in the uh, in the super lightweight division. So maybe, but Mohamed Mamoume is probably the dark horse of the tournament. So I think if if anybody was going to put some money on this weekend, you'd probably want to put it on Mamoume to actually go on and uh, to win it because I'd be interested to see what the odds are because. You know, I think he's very tricky stylistically against all of these guys. I mean, I'd like to see one of the British or Irish guys win it, of course. But I think Mimumi's a dark horse. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a good mm, yeah. it's a good Friday fight night. And obviously, if you're in the USA and you're listening to, to us, then you'll need to catch it on YouTube. I think it's on IFL's YouTube channel as well. Go and check that out yeah. on there. That'll probably be on around about... 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon for you guys, depending on where you are in America. But again, it's a good good one to check out because some of these guys have obviously mixed it with some some really, really good names and great concepts of me and Johnson have both said we really enjoy the concepts of it. And, you know, well, we've got this running and then you've got the World Boxing Super Series running. You're getting a generation now of, of the best fighting the best and this is what people are pushing towards and this is what people have been moaning about for years since the golden era of boxing and, and this is what we're kind of pushing back towards now and it's really enjoyable and I'm really excited for, for this happening so good Friday fight night there and you've got obviously two great bills uh, well two great fights at least on Saturday <laughs> uh, one great bill with Wilder versus Ortiz not so much with the Liverpool bill I'll be honest but you've got Callum Smith and John Ryder so I'm pretty happy to be watching that one and seeing what happens in that one and I think really just sort of finishing up the episode really for this big pre- preview is just 
quickly touching on a couple of other bits that have been going on uh, whilst we've been away because we haven't done one for a couple of weeks because really in my eyes there hasn't been anything major to sort of break down and review the only thing we've really missed off was the new aid on air fight and i think that's probably something we should touch on here for the listeners because maybe they wanted to hear our thoughts on on how we went how we think that went down and and that for me was the fight of the year oh absolutely it is it gets my pick for the fight of the year at the moment um you know, hopefully there will be another good fight or another great fight to finish the year off. But what a great fight it was. I mean, I watched it at work, um, as I'm sure many of us did on our lunch breaks and extended lunch breaks, that is, because I don't think I expected <laughs> it to go that long. <laughs> I sat down with my sandwich thinking, yeah, 15, 20 minutes, and then, um, you know, that would be my lunch. But <laughs> ended up going on a lot longer than we expected. And and that's credit to Denair. It was just an outstanding fight. It really was. And seeing Anoue in trouble as well was, was really eye-opening. And, and one thing I will say with Anoue is that he proved he's got a heart and he's got, you know, he's got a lot more about him than just this desire, just, just his ability to knock people out. Um, and, you know, and Donair just, I'm, I'm lost for words with Donair. You know, I honestly thought he was going to be, I, I, I suspect it'd be an early day, early night, and um, and then proved us all wrong. And I'm really pleased for him because you know he, he's he's been a great credit to the sport. And we'll see what happens in terms of uh, um, what he does next. But you know, it's almost like he come out of the, the Filipino giant of Pacquiao shadow and and produced just a, a, an epic performance and one that will be remembered for a long time. And that's great for Denier that he finally did get that big marquee fight of you know in terms of. Right on the back end of his career as well, when he does, he does get a little bit forgotten. You know, the Filipino hero is Pac-Man, um, but um, yeah, he was he was the Filipino fresh flash uh, put on a fine performance. It was just a great, great fight, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it, and uh, I've actually watched it a couple of times. Um, but yeah, fight of the year for me, and, and credit to Anoue, he deserved to win the tournament as a whole at the end of it. Anyway, so uh, just hope he gets uh, he moves on to, for more bigger fights. Anyway, because I'm sure we're all looking forward to to him competing further on um, in the division and seeing whether he fights Tete or it's Neri or or even Manuel Rodriguez again. Maybe Rodriguez can put in a better performance. We'll see what happens between them in the weekend. And yeah, it's just great. And it's just, it's mouthwatering what, what Neri's going to do next year. Yeah, I thought it was a great fight. A fight of the year for me. We had Pukurai Taylor the week before, and then you had, obviously, Anoue versus Donair. Donair put a brilliant performance on, as you rightly pointed out. And Anoue also was chin-checked on a few occasions and hurt on a few occasions. So, for most of us, there were questions that were answered in that fight, and that's why he deserved to go on to win it, because it was a dominating performance. But... Obviously, when you looked at what Denaire was doing, you think this is a lot closer than what you think. Although, obviously, Anoue clearly took it. It was a very competitive, good fight between the two of them. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And what was also a beautiful moment, two beautiful moments uh, in the aftermath of this particular fight. The first one being the fact that he was given the WBC diamond belt and he just sort of shrugged it off and passed it back to the person who was next to him, which was sort of his his stance of basically saying, I'm not interested in a made-up belt. And then the second thing which was even more humbling was the fact that Donair had told his kids or promised his kids that he was going to take home the belts and obviously he got beat and uh, the trophy sorry it was the trophy he was going to take home the Muhammad Ali trophy and he, unfortunately you know he got beat on the night and he told Anoue this in the aftermath of the fight and Anoue much to his credit had let him take the Muhammad Ali trophy home to his kids as a result which wow, I thought was, I was a really really nice gesture from him I thought mm-hmm. that was that's what you call sportsmanship mm-hmm. in boxing and you know we've had all this 
negativity about boxing over the past few weeks. Obviously, the passing of Dwight Ritchie as well a, a, a week or so ago with the, that injury and sparring that, that caused him to pass away, you know, with Michael Severa. That was, you know, horrible and another death in boxing this year. So there's been a, a lot of negative things going on, but it's things like that, that that reaffirm your love for the sport and reaffirm your passion for the sport. So it was really nice to see that. And I think... The one last thing I wanted to touch on, Johnston, before we, we come to a head, really, was the fact that this week, social media has been buzzing about the fact that Dillian White is actually going to be back in action, and it appears to be on the undercard of Joshua Ruiz, too. That's right. I did see that. He's going to he's going to be on the undercard of that. Um, I'm not sure. Have we heard who he's fighting? I don't think we have. Haven't no, we, we haven't. No. So it's probably just going to be just uh, something to sort of get rid of the ring rust, I suppose. Um and we've been fighting. Does that mean the B samples come back and it's clear? Or I'm, I'm confused. I mean, I suppose he can fight. There's no reason why he can't because um, nobody said he can't. He hasn't been banned from anything. So I'm guessing he will fight and then answer any questions that I'm sure many people will have for him <laughs> before and after that fight, especially in the presser. Um, that'd be interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm intrigued to find out. How, you know, just to see Dillian back in the ring, and obviously he's going to enjoy himself. Getting finally getting back, he's got. I see he's got his mohawk back. Um, hopefully he's. It uh, does a business, which I'm, I'm suspecting he will. And it's just interesting to see what the outcome of this sort of doping sort of scandal, what happens with it. Um, but yeah, I'm good news. I'm, I'm glad to see Dillian back, and hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that um, that it does come back negative, and Dillian can have a big year next year. Well, we hope so, don't we? I think the questions that people are asking is, including ourselves, is where is this B sample and what's happened to it and, what, and why have we not had anything off the back of it? And I think the UK Anti-Doping Agency is who we're waiting for at the moment. And I know Tyson Fury had a lot of issues with them, didn't he, when he was uh, when he had to basically accept um, what they told him uh, previous years ago, and he just kind of did it to get on with his life and his career. And obviously, Dillian White seemingly looks like he's having to go down the same route at this rate because they've still not come back to us. They've still not let anybody know what's going on. They've still not said whether you know the, there was actually any sort of issues with it or whether he was completely positive with something in that B sample. Were to the point where we need to sort of think about ban and and breaking news. Obviously, as we record this today, Ryan Martin, former opponent of Josh Taylor in the World Boxing. Super Series has actually been banned for four years as a result of being found guilty of taking performance enhancing drugs and then there's also the other issue that I've not touched on as well just while I'm on the train of thought of the two Mexicans that were actually found to have contaminated drugs test as well and they've the WBC have done nothing about it yeah that's right Um, I can't remember what I did read that um, and they basically said that um, they weren't going to go ahead with it, and if they weren't going to prosecute him because it was definitely contaminated meat. I, that was basically what I read: is that they're they're quite happy with 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 what they've what they've said. They said it's contaminated meat, and they were they were happy to just agree. And because it was so minute, apparently it wasn't like a, a huge levels of it. So um, it, it apparently it convinced them that that's what it was. Um, that needs to be done with this Mexican contaminated meat. Though. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, we've had several, several fires. And as I say, Neary, he, he also said it recently. Well, I say recently. Was it last year? So, it's something not quite right. Um, yeah, I really don't understand it, to be honest. Um, it really is upsetting. And, you know, we're talking about Ortiz and Wilder too. And you know, Ortiz has failed two drug tests. It's, just, it's something that's just going to continue to linger on in, in the sport. 
And I didn't know that about Martin. The four-year ban, I'm not surprised because he's no big star. You know, that's that's the inconsistency of the whole thing. And, you know, the punishment that's dished out for guys like someone like a, a Ryan Martin is going to be, you know, it's not just going to be a slap on the wrist. It's going to be extreme. And that's the problem, isn't it? This is where people get really frustrated with it. This is what turns people away from boxing. And it's something that needs to be done. It really does. It is, you know... I mean, we don't want to end it on a low note. You know, it's, it's going to be a good fight this weekend. I'm expecting at least two or three decent fights. Um, and, uh, yeah, just hopefully we, we get what we want and a, and, a, and a decent scrap in the main main bill of the weekend, the headline act of the weekend between Ortiz and Wilder. It's not a complete blowout. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Nia Rodriguez and obviously Smith and Ryder. So I'm looking forward to the weekend, but it's just it's, it's really frustrating when you hear these different punishments served out for different people and different individuals just because they're not big stars. So it's frustrating to hear, but, you know, it is with these, I suppose. We're just going to have to just grit our teeth and get through it. That's the one. Unfortunately, there's nothing, you know, that we can sort of do at this moment in time to, to change anything, unfortunately, because we're just, we're just two nobody sat, sat recording the podcast <laughs> and we can just give our opinions and, and obviously, you know, people will agree with us, but is anything going to change? No, it probably isn't. And it's Not. just a frustrating part of the sport, unfortunately, that we, we shouldn't have to deal with it, but unfortunately we've got to, we've got to. So not to end it on a no low though, as you said. Obviously, we've got the big fights this weekend. We've both gone for Wilder. We've both gone for Smith. We've got some cracking fights on the undercard of the Wilder Ortiz bill. We've got the Golden Contract Tournament happening on Friday night for you to all go and check out on there. So we've got some great boxing this weekend. And just as a final note, if you've not already been checking out any of our other series, please go and check them out. We've got the Legendary Knights series with the latest Legendary Knights episode coming up this week. It's the tale of Joe Lewis versus Max Schmelin. We're going to cover one and two. We've also had the tale of Eusebio Pedroza versus Barry McGuigan quite recently. Go and check them out in the feed. Career profiles, we've done five episodes today, including Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Marvellous Marvin Hankler, and we've also had Michael Spinks, and the latest one is Roberto Duran, who won the poll of the greatest lightweight. So go and check all the episodes out, and go and find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify, and you can even check us out on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel if you wish to do so. So that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the big fight reaction for Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz and Callum Smith versus John Ryder. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.